The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This is a Rocker Room production. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? This is Brandon Lee Yountain from Bleeding Green Nation and BGN Radio, of course, here with you today to give a little preface for today's Locker Room show that we do weekly on the Locker Room app. It's available on iOS devices. Make sure you download it if you don't have it already. And you can actually go on that app, give me a follow, search my name, Brandon Yountain, on there. And if you do, uh, you'll get notified whenever these chats go live. So... It's always a fun time to be in the chat. I mean, it's fun to listen back to, which presumably you are if you're hearing this. But if you actually want to be involved in the conversation, get up on stage and talk with Seamus and I, or there's actually like a little uh, text chat feature within the app that you can kind of just comment below and sometimes we'll read the comments from there. There's sometimes some fun discussions that aren't necessarily part of the show, like sign for conversation going on. So that's cool too. So make sure you do that. Also, obviously want to tell you that, um, well, first I'll tell you that this episode, we talk about the draft, we talk about Devontae Smith a lot, uh, as you might see in the title of this episode, and a lot of other things. Um, so just want to give you a little preface there, but also telling you that BGN Radio, as you know, brought to you by Right to Sell on Craft Jerky. Go to righttosellon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off. I actually read a user review from someone who found Right to Sell on Craft Jerky through BGN at the end of this podcast. So uh, y- that could be you. You could really love that product. And you might... so. Give it a try. Also, wildnaturepet.com. If you have a dog and you want high-quality dog snacks for your pet, again, same discount code, BGN15, for 15% off at wildnaturepet.com. So uh, go do all that. Got a good conversation coming up for you today on this Locker Room Replay. Have a lot more content coming down the pipeline with the NFL Draft this week. A lot of good things coming your way. Obviously, check out the new BGN radio that dropped. Uh, check out the Above the Nest with Rachel recapping last week. A lot of good stuff on the Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed. Also, make sure you subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, Benjamin Solak and Kist, Michael Kist, I should say, the Kist and Solak show reunited for a little bit on a draft uh, special that they did on that feed. A lot of good draft content coming your way uh, beyond the Eagles, like national perspective, but Eagles included too within there. Uh, so go check that out as well. Those are all the plugs I think I have for now, which you might be skipping through, understandably so. Uh, let's get to the conversation here on Putting Your Nation's Locker Room live stream replay. All right, we got people popping in here now. We got Noel, we got Nick, Sean, Doug, 
What's going on, guys? Seamus is here, so let's get him up, of course. How's it going, Seamus? Doing good, man. The uh, you know the name of the room says it all. I'm locked in. I, I couldn't be more locked in myself, pal. <laughs> uh, morning, Doug, in the chat down there. What's up, Doug? Of course, if you're listening to this on the replay, then there is a chat that you're not able to see, of course, if you're not joining us live. So why don't you yeah, rectify that in the future by actually joining us live on the Locker Room app. It's only available for iOS, of course, right now. Um, but, you know, so if you don't have an iPhone, though, I mean, maybe you have a, a tablet, something. So uh, Julian Perkowski per- also checking in the chat saying, couldn't agree more. The title of this room, which is Eagles Must Draft Devontae Smith. Uh, I'm locked in, man. Like, here we are, less than a week away from the draft. And I just, I, I couldn't care less about him weighing 166 pounds. There's a, uh, a line I heard on a podcast. I don't want to say I stole it because it's not my original thought. It was a quote they found from Archie Griffin, the old Ohio State running back, the only guy who won two Heismans. He said, I don't think this was about him specifically, but if you're good enough, you're big enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. Like, you can – I get he's the outlier and the exception, and typically I don't like the bet on that in general, you know, as a, as a general principle. But – and, like, I saw a stat last night, I think, that came up from, like, WIP that was, like, you know, there hasn't been a 1,000-yard receiver under 170 pounds since, like, 19-something. And I'm just, like – I just don't care because, like, we can talk about his weight, but where – like, because then the conclusion from that is like, oh, his weight is a big concern. Well, how has it been a big concern for him to this point? Like, how is how is his weight like manifested into something that hasn't been good? It hasn't, right? It'd be different if you see if you saw the way that Jalen Waddle has bounced back from injury after missing a bunch of time last year. I know he did come back from that from the champion for the championship game, but if that was Devonta Smith. I feel like we'd be having an entirely different conversation about him being this guy who, while he's exciting and shifty and looks like he could do everything with the ball in his hands and get open and a fantastic route runner, if he had just suffered that type of injury, we'd be you know plaguing him with the injury-prone label, and he would be sliding even further in the draft than people are originally thinking right now. That's my biggest thing. Like he, People keep saying, oh, you know, they're worrying about the durability. I mean, like... He hasn't been hurt really, though. I mean, he had a finger thing last year in the what, like the uh, in the playoff or something. But like, yeah. you know, that's not like because he's thin. Like, that's just a football injury that happened to literally anybody, no matter what weight they are. And like, that's it. And also, like, this whole thing about like, oh, he can't get off press coverage. He had like the top five grade by like PFF or whatever in terms of like getting off press coverage. Not only last year, but like 2019 as well. And he was the best receiver on a team that had Jerry Judy. Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddle, like he outproduced them in terms of receiving yards and touchdowns when they're on the same team to get like, just don't overthink it. That's my biggest thing with this guy. Like, if, if you're talking yourself out of him, I just think you're making a mistake. Yeah. It's a situation where that team has, we've talked about the Eagles. Oh, we don't draft Alabama players or they, they, they target this specific type of college archetype. But one thing you could bag on the same way I think of Clemson wide receivers or, you know, linebackers from the big 10, I think about the receivers that Alabama has produced. And in the last two years, including this year and last year, they all have produced four first-round picks at wide receiver. All guys who are really good. All guys that at some point I would have dreamed and loved to have on the Eagles. Smith is the best of all of them. Yeah. And the other thing with 
Smith is like the Eagles goal should be, we've talked about this before, Shane, it's not new territory between you and I, but like their goal should be create elite passing offense. I don't like, I don't. So here's my thing. If they take a corner at 12 and if Smith is off the board, then obviously that becomes, you know, more of like a uh, palatable option. Um, But like if they pass on Smith to take a corner, I mean, like I was just thinking earlier this morning, like what has this team done this off season? To address their offense, they signed Joe Flacco, and nothing else. Like nothing else, right? Like what I else? Guess if you count the coaching change, right? Sure, but like you know, just personnel wise, personnel wise, no. It's just been on defense. It's been you know Anthony Harris and Eric Wilson and Andrew Adams, if you want to include him there, um, which is fine. I think those are fine additions, but like you're also going to spend your first round pick too on defense. Like what are we doing? Like we're just putting all the resources into defense all of a sudden. Like I already think the defense this year has like the second highest like cap space like dedicated to it or something like it's up there like I don't the slight thing messes <laughs> everything up and then Cox and Hargrave it's it's a weird situation where they have a couple pretty good to great players on defense but they're just on the wrong side of the aging curve and then you have a situation with Slay where you know the team really shouldn't have acquired him like he's good but he's not yeah. a lead and now he's moving he's in, a, in an aging man-on-man corner who's going to be playing a lot more press this year making i think uh like a 16 million dollar cap hip sorry if i'm wrong on that number specifically but you know it's not a slight on slay as much as it is on the organization that brought him here and put him into the situation and that's the same where we have uh hargrave coming in last year after they you know just signed malik jackson and you know i think Mm -hmm. hargrave played pretty decently down the stretch and i'm anticipating him having you know a healthy start to the 2021 season i think he can be good and you know that'll help spell fletcher cox and make his life a little bit easier and hopefully he ages a little more gracefully because of that uh but there's there's issues all over the defense but you know we've harped on this a ton that the you know it's the number one edict for football i think in the the 21st century the easiest way to sustain success is a great passing offense yes right absolutely i mean yes of course yeah and look i'm excited you know, to see what Jonathan Gannon can do. And, you know, I'm not, be good. I yeah. Think I, well, I agree. And also, like, I'm not saying ignore the defense, but, like, <laughs> like don't ignore the offense. Like, that's my problem, you know. Like, if, if they don't go – so let's say they don't go receiver at 12. They basically, like, have to at 37, right? Like, what are you going to do? Spend your first two picks on defense, too? Like, I know they, it's not about – They might like, have to trade back up. They might have to trade back up. And it's not about, like – Oh, they're going to be screwed this year. I'm not saying it, you know, like from that perspective, because this year doesn't matter. It's not about that to me. It's just about like, you know, trying to build an offense and it doesn't have to be, I'll be done in one year, but I, I would just be pretty disappointed because you want to see what you have in Jalen Hurts too, right? Like you want to evaluate him further. And how are you doing that with the current group of wide receivers on the roster? Like you can't, like, I think people are like, oh, well, maybe they can excel under the new coaching staff. Like maybe, but also just as possible that they're all terrible and like they can't play in the NFL. Or at least, you know, be very good. So uh, I did want to note that Cameron Glover pointed out that they did sign Jordan Howard too, which I guess I forgot about. Uh, that's your other offensive addition, Jordan Howard, who might not make the team, and uh, Joe Flacco. So great. We're building a sick 2016 squad. Uh, Jeremy Stewart here in the uh, the chat saying, it's first time using the app, so welcome, Jeremy. And he Yo. says he can't wait for the trashing on Howie to commence. Same. You saw the... I'm sure you saw, everyone saw, the. I'm sure Howie Roseman saw, the Fire Howie chants down at Citizens Bank Park on, what was it, like Monday or Tuesday night. And uh, the the thing I thought from that was, like, this team is not ready. Like, they don't understand what the link is going to be like this year. Like, I, I just don't, I just don't think they have, like, a pulse on that. Like, 
as, as someone as like the most diseased Eagle fan there is, Shane, yourself, and like you know, being the the you know, you're, you're going to be the rabid, that. you know, yeah. stereotypical guy. Are you yeah. familiar with do you, do you follow soccer at all? I'm not a hardcore fan, but I you know I see some stuff in the news. Have you been seeing stuff with soccer recently with the uh, the, the European Super League? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those who don't know, the the top teams in Europe, whether they're you know English clubs, a couple English clubs, a couple Spanish clubs, you know, they wanted to you know go together and leave their their current leagues these leagues that have you know centuries long story tradition these these great rivalries and they wanted to form like the biggest conference it's like if clemson and alabama and ohio state and michigan and like oregon just made their own conference and left their respective you know pac-12 sec stuff just to kind of give a comparison and those fans went ballistic there was like (laughs) i'm not gonna say like riots it's not like that but just parading through the street like fireworks all this crazy stuff that you would kind of associate with like a political protest i'm not trying to compare the severity of those two things in the slightest but these people mobilized to the streets to to show and demonstrate their displeasure for what was happening for these teams that are so ingrained into themselves and their communities and their families and their friendships all those different things the, the same way i kind of i'm not a huge soccer guy myself but i do respect soccer fans or i guess football fans on the other side of the pond because of how dedicated they are how rabid they are how much they like they like want blood every game and stuff like that so i, I empathize there with the situation there like what would it take for people to have like I, i'm not saying like a riot or just like people like you know standing outside the Novacare with some like you know a megaphone and some sides and stuff like that when are we going to get into that territory i mean the pressure is on clearly. I mean, when you're getting people at a Phillies game and like pretty loudly too, and it wasn't, you know, just like a, a weak thing. Like it was pretty loud. It went viral. He's, he's, he's aware it happened. There's no way he's not aware it happened. I, I can't lie. You know, as someone who even has been a big, you know, maybe one of the biggest, if not the biggest critics of Howie Roseman, like I felt something about it felt like bad to me or not bad, but like, like wrong just because like, it kind of does feel like a little ungrateful, right? I mean, like, I, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I get it. I get, everyone should be frustrated with Howie. I don't disagree with that. But, like, the fire stuff was just like, it, it hurt me a little bit because he's a human being, too. And, like, and I, sure. and, and I, and I, but at the same time, like, I, I'm not going to blame anyone who's frustrated. So, but my, my big takeaway was uh, just that, like, I think the link is going to be freaking nuts this year. Like, especially if you have full capacity. Oh yeah, it's just it's going to be insane because, and I think it's it really like the the Phillies game that chant on earlier this week showed me that like this frustration is like pent up. You know, like people weren't at the games last year for the most part. You know, they had a little attendance for a little bit, but you know, just obviously wasn't the same, the real thing. Like once this thing gets live, and if this team gets off to a slow start, which is very conceivable given you know. Uh, the lack of talent, the you know, obviously the uncertainty at quarterback, first year head coach, very fresh new coaching staff. It has the potential to get ugly, man. And like, I mean, so we talk about all the time, like how how safe is Howie's job? I mean, it's not safe. He's not lasting the season. I feel like if it's every week, like we're just seeing fire Howie chance, and I don't think we're going to see that. I don't think it's going to be that bad necessarily. But if it is, I think at that point, like Lurie, that's when like he listens finally. I wrote about this a little bit this week in my newsletter talking about, you know, the fans, the fans of the Phillies game freaking out at Citizens Bank Park. And the way I framed it was that, like like you said, the pent-up frustration is a great way to say it because the entire season, this disastrous 4-11 in one season, a season I've said for 
you know, the 21 or so years I've been a fan since I was, you know, 2000, 2001, when I was growing up, uh, that was, that was the most embarrassing season, the worst season, the, the most hopeless season of my time as an Eagles fan. And fans of the game would have been going wild with everything that was going on, booing the crap out of them. So all this pent up frustration and they're finally allowed to go to a sporting event. Like last Sunday, I went to my first Phillies game. It was awesome. I had an awesome time. They won, you know, Aaron Nola, complete game shutout. Bryce Harper had a two run home run. You know, that's, that's the dream for, you know, a Phillies Sunday afternoon. But anyway, uh, it was great to just be outside of the sporting event again. It's the longest I've gone in my life since I first started going to Philadelphia sports games that I went without one. And I understand if you're like out there and you're, you know, you're having a drink and you're in the, sitting in the sun on, on an, you know, at a sporting event and like in the back of your brain, all you want to say is do like an EAGLS chain or complain about the Eagles. I'm an Eagles first guy. I know it's an Eagles first town. I, I get that. So it's just like, you know, get this out of their system right now. Like I feel bad for the Phillies a little bit. They were losing that game. So if they really wanted people to not do that, they could have just performed better. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just, I think the heat is like, it's just going to be on. Like, I just, like, if it's like that again, like every week, or the, if we're seeing that a lot during the season, like, I just think, you know, that's going to force Lurie's hand. Like, if the, you have a whole freaking stadium. Do you think apathy sets in? <laughs> um, like I people, think maybe. Like, are we, we going to see stadium, like a stadium that's not even completely full? I think that would be later on. I don't, I think, again, going back to the pent up frustration thing, I think, you know, people are just going to have that energy out of the gate, you know, and excitement. And, uh, and that could also, and it could be like looking at this from the bright side, it could be a great thing. It could be, it could manifest itself in a positive way. I think, you know, if they get off to a good start, like town's going to be juiced. Everyone's going to be hyped up. They're back at Eagles games. Like life is getting back to normal. The Eagles are playing well, better than expected. Like it, it could go in a great way, and that, but it also could go really ugly. Yeah. It's probably one of the two extremes there. I just think, uh, depends, you know, obviously how they do. Uh, Doug Michael is saying in the chat, like, doesn't the trade back signal that, how he is more rope. And yeah, I've said that. Definitely, it, Doug. Definitely. He's, he's I, buying some more time. It could, you know, it's, it's, it's great value in a vacuum. And BLG and I have talked about this. It's just like not the guy you want to see making that move because of this history over the last couple of years we had of him. I think that definitely is a, hey, we're kicking the can down the road. You're giving me another year or two to set things up because if things don't go this well this year, I'm like, hey, well, this is actually the end of the Super Bowl ever. We're rebuilding and restocking next year. We have at least four picks in the first two rounds, probably three first round picks. My counter to that would be that, like, if it just gets so ugly, again, you have these chants and you have, you know, the team looking like a disaster. It's also a time where you can, like, hire an attractive new GM in theory, right? It's like, hey, new GM, we have all these picks to work with. And you can cut, like, you, in theory, like, you might have the best GM opening just because of, like, the assets that you have to work with. So that might be the time um, where they could pivot, if, especially if there's, like, I don't know really what this would like compare to, but like, let's say, you know, there's a Daryl Morey equivalent like out there. I don't, I don't, and I don't know. What, that, that what about be. that guy in New York? Um, Do you think we could get that Joe Douglas guy? Joe Douglas. Um, maybe uh, Andrew Barry. Browns. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, maybe like, I, I don't know, like in my head, I, I just, I, I, I honestly don't have a good name. I'm thinking like, if like, like maybe they could make a run at Kevin Colbert from the state. Like, I doubt it, but I'm just saying, you know, like someone. I mean, like, Lori's willing they, to spend money. That. Is there a situation again? Like you, yeah. like the 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 Sixers, they've been courting Murray for a while. They a few yes. years ago, I believe, in 2017, they they asked to interview him, and they did. And it just happened where you know Murray went back to Houston and got his salary like doubled because you know the, the Sixers hit him with like an fu offer, like either you're yeah. taking this money or you're gonna like get the money from your current team. That and um, the Eagles have done that with coaches before in terms of like Sean Payton, you know, John Harbaugh, 
Like they've even when it's been like those guys have been under contract, but, but when they've had an opening, like they've it's been out there, like they've been interested. So it was never like realistic. Which I love they, doing that. I, I love that energy. I love that and, and and Lincoln Riley too. Even just this off season, like it's yeah, it's not like it's probably not going to happen. But they 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 don't like limit themselves. Like they have these like big ideas, and they're probably not going to be able to land the big fish. But but uh, that's that's I guess like just all very fan fictiony potentially. But um, uh, I just want to say anyone is. Uh, open to request to speak uh, if anyone has any takes yeah let's get some takes because we haven't heard from anyone yet but if you don't i mean we don't force it here but but would like to hear from the listeners if you have anything to say what else is on your mind shame less than a week before the draft uh in the immediate i'm going to see mortal Kombat this afternoon my first time going wow. to the movie theater in forever i know it's on hbo max so you could watch it home but it seems like a good movie to see at theater so i'm pretty excited for that i saw the uh the tra- i don't want to spoil anything for anyone but i saw the trailer for that and uh, it looked interesting. I think yeah, Sub- I'm not Sub Zero for their guy. Yeah, it looks it looks yeah. cool though. If you like the games as a kid, it'll probably be dope. Yeah, I feel like by the way, like maybe I'm uh, just like soft or something here, but I feel like Mortal Kombat got like two, just like the newer ones. I can't do them. I can't like it's just, oh like, two... no, I'm not. I'm no like once you're over the age of like 24, you can't be like an elite gamer anymore. I don't think. Well, it's just like the gra- like the the how graphic they are. Like I'm just I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not like uh, a gory kind of guy. I that, it's you know, it was cool on the older it, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it was cool on the you know, the older stuff just because uh you know, like it's not like it's like Led you know more to the imagination. Yeah, it's like eight bit or you know, it's just like it's terrible it's graphics. Bit, like yeah. it's 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 like goofy. But now it's like almost like real and I'm like, Oh man, like <laughs> this this isn't my kind of thing. So uh What's your what's your dream day one and day two look like? Like you say, like they get Smith at twelve. Like we're not doing trades. Smith at twelve. Yeah. Thirty-seven, seventy, eighty-four. What's it for you? I think it's kind of chalk here, but it's it's Devonte at twelve, and I think yep. I think there's a decent chance he's going to be there because like I know the Lions are like a threat to take him in theory, but like are they really going to spend? Because like you know I'm not concerned about the weight, but I'm pretty sure like people in the NFL are. Are they really going to like spend the seventh overall pick on him? I don't know. The Giants have been linked to him too. I just, I, I think they're going to take Parsons. I think that's the direction they're going to go in. I don't think they're going to go receiver. So I would take Devontae. And that, I guess, like, I think I'm going to say Asante. Like, how could I not want same. Asante? Yeah, that's me too. <laughs> how could you not want him on the Eagles? How could he not? We want ball skills. That's my thing. I think we've talked about that. That's my number one priority to get like a game record type presence. I talked about it on. From the bleachers this week, I had the great Benjamin Solak on doing some draft talk. You haven't listened to that, definitely check it out. But that's what I'm prioritizing in a defensive back in the modern NFL is ball skills and be able to create turnovers. And, you know, we're talking about a guy like Samuel, given his pedigree, a guy who can not only just take the ball, but, you know, give it the other way and get six points. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because that's that's a big reason why I'm not like, oh, the Eagles must get J.C. Horn, who I, exactly, I like in theory. Exactly, man. Or uh, even Sertan, like those guys, look at their stats. I think it's, I forget off the top of my head, but they don't have like a ton of I think interceptions. Sertan might have four and Horn has like two or three. Yeah, like I, three think, I think you're right. I was in, That was in my head. I think it's four for Sertan and three for Horn or something like that. Um, and the passes defensed, you know, the, the, the PBUs, like they're fine, but they're not like exceptionally high or anything. And that's not, that's not everything. You know, there's, yeah. those, those numbers are noisy too. Like they don't always have context. Like you could have less because they're not throwing your way and everything, but still like, you know, I just I don't see these corners as like can't miss kind of corners to me. So I'm doing Smith at twelve, Samuel Jr. at thirty seven seventy. The guy I'm really into, Milton Williams. Wow, pure defensive lineman, Louisiana Tech. Have you looked at him at all? <laughs> no. 
His number one measurable comp on draft, uh, mock draftable is Aaron Donald, and number three is Geno Atkins. All right, all in. Undersized, but an absolute beast. Like I hate we always I say athletic freak every five seconds when talking about prospects, but that guy actually is. I think. Does he have like long arms and stuff too? Or no, that's the thing. He's undersized, okay. so he has short arms. So that's that's okay. where he he would probably be like a first round talent otherwise. I remember, I think it was on the SB Nation NFL show. I forget who they were talking about. It might have been PFF or it might have been Solak. But they were talking about uh, one of these, I think, defensive end prospects who was like, he's short, but he's like really long arms and stuff. So it's like kind of like a great combination because he's, you know, you don't want to be too tall because then like, yeah. you're, you, you want to have, you know, low man wins in the NFL. You want to have leverage and everything. But then like he has the length of a taller person until he's those long arms to kind of help, you know, like, keep the offensive tackles off of him and stuff. So yeah. Uh, I forget exactly who that was, so not a great, uh, <laughs> really worthless like mention. So obviously, here, but... we don't even like that guy enough to remember his name. So yeah, yeah, right, right. But um, we, that's the best case scenario. Why don't we go over worst case scenario, which I think is Quiddy Pay for me at number twelve. I just, I just don't get how you look at. I, I, I can't see how he's the twelfth best player on the board. This is a guy with one forced fumble in college. He's like 23, or it's going to be 23 in his rookie season, so he's on the older side for a rookie. I know Devontae Smith is like similar age, but like Devontae Smith is also like proven productive. Like the most yeah, productive wide he's receiver. Here. Of like he's arrived. Years. Like, yeah. like Quiddy Pay is like, you're picking him because of upside, but he's 23. So like it's not, you know, it's not the same kind of thing there. Sure. So I, I just don't love that. I really just, I, and I'm, I'm so fearful like they would actually do that. What about you? What's your worst case? Uh, going to guard, like I, I talked about Rashawn Slater a little bit, and that was kind of the main focus of the podcast I did with Solak. And Solak projects him more as an offensive tackle than most people seem to be, and some people have him as offensive tackle one. Uh, but there could be a you know a line of thought that he's better as a guard at the pro level, and I'm writing about this in my newsletter next week. But to take an interior offensive lineman on day one this early with a top 12 pick, Coming off of four eleven in one season, and that's not a premium position the way we view offensive tackle or quarterback or wide receiver or defensive end. And to get a guy like that, you know, and not even have him start likely in year one is just a complete misallocation of resources. Like we've seen guards come in that were drafted early. Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin, those guys made first team all pros selections as rookies, not just on their rookie contract, on their rookie year. Is Slater going to do that? Is he going to even be playing and starting? Like maybe they move away from Brandon Brooks. Sure. But is, is that a situation where he comes in automatically and he's starting and he's, you know, making at least pencil him in for two Pro Bowls in his rookie contract? I don't really like that in the same situation if they were to, you know, trade down a couple slots and pick up uh, Vera Tucker from USC, a guy who played um, some tackle as a senior but is might be more of a guard at the next level too. All right, let's get uh, Danny Rogers up here. What's going on, Danny? What's up, Danny? How are you guys doing? Uh, beautiful day up here in Boston. So no nice. Um, Great city other than the yeah, sports. Just, Love the city. So there's actually uh, a nice little uh, Eagle sports bar up here that uh, runs every Sunday, which is a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, so you guys are favorite up here on Eagle Sunday. Come check it What's out. it called? Um, but my question, uh, the bar actually just shut down due to COVID. Oh, um, but there's a guy named Joe who I'm blanking on his last name right now. But he runs a group called the Philadelphia Eagle fans of Boston. Okay. Um, they make some cool shirts every year, all that. So um, uh, there's a Facebook group. So we'll find a new bar pretty soon, I'm Very sure. Very cool. Nice. 
Yeah. Uh, my question for you all, though, is uh, what round do you think they should address backup running back for Sanders? Um, since Howard's kind of getting up there, and it seems like Boston Scott's more of a utility back than a true number two. Love the question. I think day three. I think the earliest they should go is probably the fourth round. Maybe you take a guy like Kylan Hill there. I think it might be more realistic the fifth or sixth round. And guys are like in that range are uh, Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. You have Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech. Those are the guys I think. And day three could be in the mix for the birds. BLG, look at, any, at the running backs. That's something because, you know, that's like a juicy position for me, a backup running back. That's because we've seen, you know, Miles Sanders didn't play you know, isn't the most durable player. We've seen him, you know, miss some time before. Uh, we'd like to see more of him as a pass catcher than we did as a sophomore. You know, that's a little bit of a when situation there. But, you know, you want a dynamic backup because we've seen in the past, it wasn't really in, in 2020, but we saw in 2019 how much of a game changer, you know, Boston Scott could have been at a couple different times in the season. Yeah, so it's something we've touched on before, but I feel like Miles Sanders had like a like low key, lower key than it should be, like disappointing year. I agree. Year. Like I thought he was going to be like, like a, a Pro Bowler. I thought we were looking at the guy who's who's making a Pro Bowl team before, and maybe that's still the case. He's only going into his third year of a four year rookie contract, and a new offensive system. We've seen uh, Nick Sirianni have success with running backs in the in Indianapolis, so that's not not to write him off yet. But I was a little disappointed last year too. Yeah. He technically did make the Pro Bowl. What it was? Like oh Madden. yeah, you're right. Oh, but it's bro. like, it's like, it's, yeah, but it's like BS. It was like a Madden fan vote or something. Like that's like that doesn't count. Like that's not like the real you know Pro Bowl selection. But um, and he shouldn't have been because for as much as like he's a you know a home run hitter, like pass protection. I think he graded out as one of the worst pass protecting running backs last year, which is a big deal and something he had an issue with at Penn State and seemed to be like better in his rookie year. I don't know how he regressed there, but then he regressed too as a pass catcher in a big way. And I think part of that was Wentz because Wentz clearly just isn't like the best quarterback. Not, when it, not big on the five yard passes. Yeah. Like, I mean, what running back has really like thrived with Carson Wentz, you know, as, you know, as <laughs> throwing the ball to him, you know, I guess like Corey Clement for a little bit as a rookie, but like, you know, Foles um, and Clement had the, uh, but they look even like, better. Looked like yeah. Warner, looked like Warner and Falk for one night in February. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I like Hubbard. You know, I think just even just based on name alone. I mean, that's how would you not? All three of those guys I mentioned, great running back things. Yeah, so uh, I definitely think there. I mean, look, there was talk they, and I think they would have taken. They would have taken Jeremy Chin. They wouldn't have taken um, what's his name, the guy who went to the Ravens from Ohio State. Yeah, they. I don't think they would have taken him. But there was there were but there was talk like they. I think he he he's probably high on their board there. Like let's say maybe Chin wasn't there. And they, then maybe they go Dobbins instead. So I think they, uh, I think running backs pretty much like it is pretty realistically in play because I mean like Howard might not even make the team. Uh, ideally, Howard doesn't make the team. I don't That's want an ideal. Team. No, no, yeah. no, it's like to him as a person. Just yeah, no, something personal. Take, take a flyer and someone else who's not old who doesn't have this this mileage on him. Like let's let's try to see a guy. He does a little bit. Maybe he's something in twenty twenty two instead. Any guy who's under team control for more years, like yes. Howard's going to be a free agent again next year. Like you get a UDFA, he's under contract for like multiple years. Uh, do you have anyone, Danny, that you like? Or are you just asking? Or are you not there? Uh, oh, there you. Are. Sorry, my bad. No, no, was muted. Um, no, I, I really don't know anything about the running back. Class. Gotcha. I haven't done as much draft research this year, so I was just wondering. Um, but thanks, yeah, and I'll hop off the stage now. Cool. Uh, thanks, Danny. Um, yeah, I mean, this year I feel like has been tougher for me. Just like. You know, usually we have pre-draft visits. Usually we have, you know, a lot of hype around combine. We have, well, we actually have a combine, um, you know, pro days and everything. And then I actually do that draft interest tracker, which I'll be putting together for bleedinggreennation.com this week. And I kind of like to see, 
uh, you know, who the Eagles are really showing interest in. Sometimes it's useful. Uh, last year, I mean, like Rager was like pretty much narrowed in the, at the guy at that point. So we kind of can tell sometimes. Um, but this year, you know, without visits and, and without the combine, without everything, it's just like you don't even have the same kind of way to like narrow in on who they might be looking at or who they are looking at on like day three and everything. Um, Julian wants to get up on stage here. Let's get him up. Julian, how's it going, man? Oh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you. Hey, uh, first of all, I wanted to say I really like your work, BLG, Seamus. I've been uh, following you, the Liberty Ballers, Ballers crew, since high school. So. Oh, <laughs> really? awesome. Oh, geez. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, Julian. OG. That's awesome, so, man. Actually, I once uh, wrote a fan post that got a decent amount of traffic. It was a breakdown of Jakar Sampson's jump shot. Oh, uh, <laughs> real one. I love that. <laughs> real good use of uh, 2,500 words. So Yeah. Uh, okay, my quick question to you guys was, since it's such a strong receiver class, but more so in the uh, more of a Z slot role, what would you guys think about taking a – I know you guys like Sertain, and uh, who's the guy out of out – of, um, Who's that second J.C. Horn, 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 South Carolina. Yeah, so seeing as maybe like Slay being your one-on-one guy on the outside, but you want to play more of a zone scheme, maybe a, a, maybe a certain would be a good fit. But a J.C. Horn, and what do you guys think about taking a, you know, hoping that one of the one of those small shifty slot guys like a Rondale Moore or a Kadarius Tony falling to 37, so maybe having Fulgram at the X, Rager playing from the Z, and then got one of those shifty slot guys. I really like Elijah Moore from from Ole Miss. If they go cornerback or non-receiver uh, in round one, I think they definitely need to take a receiver at 37 or do a little mini trade-up back into the end of the first round to get their guy. Uh, but for that slot-top guy, I think Elijah Moore could be that guy. And maybe he, does, you know, maybe he doesn't even last at 37. I think I've seen some mocks where he goes late, late in the first round. But I think he'd be you know, the ideal modern slot you want as that shifty type of guy, not – you know, the way we thought Justin Jefferson was a slot guy last year, oh, a different God. kind of style. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a big reason. That name. I know it's it really, it's just really tough. I was looking back at um, a post I did for last year and it was like making the case for Justin Jefferson as the Eagles pick. And I'm like, article with Smith. Now that means they're not, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. But I want to put it out there because then, you know, if they don't, then I can be like, second year in a row, guys, like, just come on. Just like, I, I'm probably wrong all the time. Don't listen to me. But like, I'm just saying maybe sometimes do just like, it's not even about listening to me. It's like doing the obvious thing. I'm not even argue, I'm not like arguing for something that is like, you know, like crazy, uh, like complicated or anything. it's just like do the obvious thing that makes sense. That was Justin Jefferson last year. It's Smith this year. To your question, Julian, I think a big reason why I want Smith is because I legitimately believe you can use him anywhere. Like, I think we saw that. Like, like he's not a prototypical NFL X receiver, but watch him play. And also, he is, like, I was looking at, you know, his spider graph and his measurements and stuff, and he has, like, 66 percentile arms. And you can see that. Like, he can go up and get the ball. And he, you can also put him in the slot because he's, like, smooth and shifty. And he can also play Z for you. Like, he can do everything. So that's another big reason for him uh, to me is just having, you know, the... Yeah, I could not agree more. Honestly, when I watched Devontae Smith, like, he just screams, like, okay, he doesn't have the size, but he's just an alpha out there. Like, he, like you see him give a thumbs yes. up to Mac Jones, like, throw it to me. And, dude, like, he's playing against SEC corners. Like, these are all going to... These guys are all going to end up in the NFL one way or another. Like, he's doing it against NFL future NFL corners already. 100% agree. Uh, alpha is the perfect word for him. And that's really what 
I think in theory, like an X receiver is like, it's not just about the size. It's about like the personality. It's about how they win. And like, guess what? Like Devontae Smith can separate. He's a really good route runner. <laughs> like, like I, I Absolutely. just, there's so many things about him that it's just like, where, like, if you're, if you don't like him, I just feel like you're looking for reasons not to like him, you know, as opposed to like taking the things he's actually really good at, which is a lot of different things, a lot of things that are encouraging. And you're like trying to tell, talk yourself out of that. And I just don't see why, like, don't do that. Like, don't, don't try to make him worse in your eyes. Like, look at how good he is. I mean, like, he's the Heisman. Like, like, like just, it's, it's like, it's that simple. Like, he's, he's just the, the best. And he, and for good reason, he dominated the SEC. Like, it's just, it's so obvious to me that he should be the pick. I just, like, just do it. And, and also, I don't want to hear that, like, a oh, receiver isn't a valuable position. Like, it's about, it's about the objective of taking a receiver, which is Who's building. Who's saying that? Are, are, we, are we saying in, are we in Seth Curry? Uh, I didn't, I was told shoot Curry. <laughs> I, I have seen it. I don't want to say names. I have seen it out there, um, from like, you know, just like regular Twitter followers. But I've also seen it on like WIP. Uh, so like, you know, I, I've seen it. It's definitely the conversation is out there. Like they should take a corner. And I've, I've seen a lot. Like they should take a corner. They should take like, and in theory, like all things else, like if there was an offensive line prospect that I felt or a defensive end, let's say there's a defensive end prospect who is like the version of Devontae Smith, then yeah, I would probably want that guy over Devontae Smith because the edge rusher, I think, was probably more impactful. But that guy doesn't exist. I, so, and also, like maybe it's not the best way to think about it, but like the Eagles haven't like hit on a first round pick in quite a bit. And I just feel like when you look at Smith's profile, like that guy is not going to be a bust to me. Or like maybe you think he is because of the weight. I don't think he is. I think he's a safe pick, but I also think he is upside. Yeah, he seems I, like high floor, high ceiling. Absolutely, and that, that was my argument with Jefferson too. I think for some reason people started to say like Jefferson didn't have a high ceiling just because he had a high up. Like those things don't always go hand in hand. It's not always like oh he is a high floor, but he has a low ceiling. Like that's not always the case. It can be the case that he has a high floor and a high ceiling. And I think, you know, I think Jefferson is the superior prospect, to be clear, than Devontae, just because, like, he checks a lot more of the boxes. Like, Justin Jefferson tested well. Um, he's younger. He was only, like, 20 at the time he was drafted. Like, there's things that, you know, work better in Jefferson's favor. And I felt like he was even more of a no-brainer pick than Smith is now. Like the weight is a concern, just compa- like by comparison. Like it's it's def, and then the age by comparison. But man, I can talk about Devontae Smith all day. <laughs> I just believe in him so much. And uh, real quick, last thing, guys. Uh, wasn't the big yeah. knock like everyone had against Jefferson was like, oh, he's a slot guy. He's a slot guy. But like at the end of the day, you watch that guy play, and he just gets open and catches everything and makes plays. Like yeah, you just need a he played at the outside a lot, Minnesota. He wasn't just a slot guy there. Yeah, and, like, he comes to the NFL and he dominates. Like, we just need a guy who can make a play. Yeah, they the, honestly, the Eagles talked about it, like, why they didn't draft Jefferson is because they had this idea of, like, fit in their mind in terms of, like, I think one of the things that was talked about, at least inside the organization, was, like, well, we have Zach Ertz, and he's, like, you know, our target hog. And it's, like, well, first of all, like, look at, like, obviously not great foresight because Zachary is probably not even going to be on the team this year. Great. So you're not going to draft a guy because of a guy who might be off the team. And very conceivably, a year later, it wasn't like this is a surprise that Zachary's like, 
wasn't going to be around for much longer because his contract was coming up and he won extension and the Eagles clearly weren't keen on paying him. And the other thing with Jefferson and you're kind of getting at Julian is just like, it's just obvious. It's just like, don't overthink it. Like don't make this more complicated than it has to be. And then another last thing I'll say on Jefferson is like, he played on the outside, by the way, when he was a, so the year before his final year at college, when he was only like 19 in the SEC and he did fine. He had like 800 yards that year or whatever. Like he did, he wasn't, you know, a star like he was in his final season, but like he was still good. So like, are they not watching that? Like, what's the deal? Like he, like to think he was only a slot receiver was just like, you didn't even like watch him because that wasn't the, all right. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, thanks. Thanks for letting me hop on. Really yeah, appreciate it guys. Yeah. Point thanks, to Julian. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like I remember watching Dakar Sampson like in the summer league. And I was like, there might be something there with this guy. Like, I feel like I saw it. I saw him flash a little bit. No, obviously, he's not like, he's not actually like a good player, right? <laughs> NBA player. He's an NBA player, but yeah. not like, you know, like, you know, not, he's like not a journey positive kind of player. contributor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cameron Glover in the chat says he thinks we'll see more middle of the field throws this year. Doug was calling a lot of outbreaking routes. I think it's an interesting thing to think about, uh, Cameron, because I think the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts, like, that's not his strength. Yeah, like that's uh, that's gonna be interesting to see, and that's also a big reason why like the Kyle Pitts thing was like weird to me because like you're gonna build like an offense. Not that Hurts should be like you know like oh he we should can't. be like enamored as the future franchise quarterback for next. Yeah, you can't be like well we we can't draft this guy because it hurts. That would be dumb. But like it's yeah. still kind of, of a weird fit though because we didn't really see him, you know. And I think there's there's reasons for that in terms of him like being shorter and not necessarily being able to see the field well, you know, over the middle where that was a strength for Carson Wentz. You know, he's a bigger guy and he, and he liked, and to, to his credit, like when he was at his best, like he did work at the middle of the field. Well, it's probably one of the best things he, he did. He did. Why don't we combine it. the two of them? Yeah. If you could, if you could do that, then you'd be set. I mean, if you could, if you could take Carson Wentz's talent and like, but like Jalen Hurts is like work ethic, oh, philosophy. Not, yeah, and like uh, this mentality. I wouldn't say work ethic. Yeah, I don't want to say work ethic. Carson Wentz works hard. Is a very hard. But I think he also works hard in his own terms, which is something I've talked about before. Like he's not necessarily doing what it should take. Like everything that something that like, he might be uncomfortable doing, whereas Hurts like literally doesn't care. Like he just wants like just he's a sponge. Like he'll soak up anything. Whereas Carson Wentz is like not a sponge and like wants to do what he does very selectively. Um, but yeah, so I think it'll be interesting to see how the offense looks different. I mean, we got, we got a head coach with juice here. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> uh, coach. Let's talk about the rock, paper, scissors thing. We haven't talked about that specifically. Okay. Yeah, sure. What, what's your take on it? So, uh, Jimmy and I, Jimmy Kemsky and I talked about this on a uh, radio the beginning of the podcast this morning. I didn't get to listen to the whole thing. Okay. Um, I wonder how many dumb things or weird things or strange things teams ask prospects to do in person that we have no idea about. Mm-hmm. And I think, is it that weird? Is, is it like, is that the whole crux of their evaluation and their interview? Like, oh, well, he lost at rock, paper, scissors, or he thought it's, it was weird. We can't draft him. We don't know the context. Could have been just something you know, playful. It could have been an icebreaker. You're on a Zoom call with, you know, a 21-year-old you've never met before. And you don't know exactly how to how to go about things to get the conversation on. I don't think it's that weird. What I said to Jimmy is, and I'll repeat it here, is just like, I think the Eagles' goal is 100% correct. Like, what they're getting at 
with trying to gauge a prospect's competitiveness is like, oh, that matters. That 100% matters because we talk about it with big winner energy and big loser energy here all the time. Like, I, I think the Eagles need more guys who like hate to lose. They need more talented players too. You have to marry those things together. You don't just want a bunch of tryhards, but like you need talented guys who also like just want to freaking win. And that's another reason, by the way, to take Devontae Smith because that dude is locked in and just wants to win. Um, so I don't know if rock, paper, scissors is like the best method to do that. I'm not a psychologist. Like, I don't know. I don't really yeah. know if there's value in that. I, it's like simple that, though. It's simple. It's, it's simple. It's fun. It, you know, and if it, you get that response, you want outside of the prospect and it fits the new organizational philosophy they're having in this post Doug, post Carson, post Super Bowl era. So sure. be it. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not saying they should stop it or I, I don't know how effective it is. That is the only thing I can't, I don't know. I, I we wonder, haven't done I, enough I, trial runs and <laughs> uh, blind testing. I think it's fair if your criticism is like, is that even effective? I think that's, yeah. but I, I, I think they should like what they are trying to accomplish with that goal is absolutely correct. So I'm not going to fault them for that. I'm not going to say like they shouldn't care. No, they should care. Like this is this what they're trying to measure is important. I don't know if they're actually measuring it effectively. That's, I don't know. Um, but I'm glad they're trying at least I will, I will give them the credit for that. Nick Bruins points out here, Alabama receivers used to play rock, paper, scissors to determine routes. Coincidence. LOL. Oh, we, we saw, we saw a clip of that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was a. Uh, it was what? It was Waddle and Smith, right? It was Waddle and Smith. Yeah, where he comes in, it's like he, you know, he did the meeting with uh, Smith or Waddle. Did the meeting with Sirianna. He came in ready to rock it out. Best two out of three. It's funny too. Like I think, I think I saw Waddle win in that clip. Does that he mean did. like Smith? Smith actually lost as much as we're screaming for him. He lost. It. How did that <laughs> matter? But just he, he, he didn't get one. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, I did. He, he lost best two out of three. I don't know if we can thank this guy. Get him off the board like he has a back that, injury. That's the tiebreaker. It's like they have, like, the Eagles have literally, like, exact same grades on him. It's like, you know. <laughs> he lost like, like, that rock, paper, he lost it. Um, uh, Corey Wilson, the very long comment here in the chat, says, I've been thinking all morning about the draft. Uh, would anybody be upset trading back to the 20s, taking Caleb Farley, and double dipping and taking Asante Samuel, similar to what we saw with Lido and Sheldon. Heck, with those moves, they could even maybe package Zacherts to get back up high and pursue another second rounder and get Terrace Marshall. That would be the dream scenario for Corey Wilson. So to me, Corey, uh, earlier on the show, I was like, man, like if they're taking a corner with their first round pick, it's like they've barely even done anything to address the offense this offseason to begin with. And now, like double dipping, like that would so then you're not getting a receiver until uh, you're saying here, you know, they trade up for one, I guess, in the second and get Marshall still. Um, but there's there's some stuff that's come out about Marshall, I think, like right, like injury wise, there's some kind of concern, and then there is with Farley too. Yeah, Farley's had multiple back surgeries. Yeah, I don't love that. Yeah, that, before when I was talking about European soccer, and I like their their ability to just like go out and scream in the streets about their. You know, they were outside the their, their team stadium screaming and wanting a new ownership. You know, trading down again for the second time after they originally had the sixth pick after a disastrous 4-11 in one season. And they're taking a guy who's had multiple back surgeries and Caleb Farley. That's a situation where I want to be outside the Novacare screaming. Yeah. Uh, it's the back stuff is just like, I love said, Samuel at 37. I, I would double dip in the second round at, at cornerback. I'd be okay with that. They took a Samuel at, you know, 37, maybe 
uh, Elijah Molden, slot cornerback from Washington, falls to 70, or Paulson Adebo from Stanford is there, or Ifatu Melanfamu from Syracuse, or Trill Williams from Syracuse. That's fine, but I, I don't want to trade back for Farley specifically and do that. Um, yeah, I just – yeah, the, the, the Farley injury thing makes me pretty uncomfortable. It's more about um, Farley specifically than the whole uh, you know philosophy around cornerbacks. I mean, if they take a cornerback at 12 – they still need cornerback help. If they took another one at 70 or 84, it's understandable. Uh, David Rose checking in the chat. When you say must, responding to Eagles must draft Devontae Smith. If the Eagles had a choice between any of the receivers, Pitts, uh, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, or Jalen Waddell, Smith is the top choice for the Eagles. This is David Rose asking me. I mean, for the Eagles, if we're talking about the Eagles specifically, uh, I mean, Jamar Chase is probably the guy. Yeah, Chase know? number one. Uh, I just think the profile is even better than Smith. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, I don't think he's going to be there. I don't think it's realistic Relatively at all. Relatively realistic options. Yeah, I think uh, Smith is uh, – although I will say, like, when the Eagles were at six, I think it was, like, a, a, a fair conversation. I think it's a fair conversation to say between Devontae and Chase. Like, I think that's – that can be had. I think you can make your, if you really love Devonte, like I think, and I do, I think you can say like the gap isn't that big. I would say for me, Chase Smith pits Waddle. Okay. And um, I know I'm a little bit lower on Pitts than some other people, so I understand. Well, we're talking about Eagles Pitts specifically, too. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's what I'm, I'm not talking about just the draft agnostically. I mean for the yeah. Eagles specifically, those would be the way I rank the top four pass catchers. Yeah, and if we're talking about like agnostic team, I think I'm putting, you know, I might be just put Pitts one. Uh, Jeremy Stewart wants to get up here, so let's get to Jeremy actually before we read the other comment. Jeremy, What's up, Jeremy, how you doing, guys? Doing good. What's up, man? Yeah, um, I know this is jumping ahead to to next year's draft. Uh, I mean, I would really love Devonte Smith if we got him, but I was wondering what you guys' thoughts were as far as record goes for this year Mm -hmm. uh say we get potential three first round picks what would it take as far as record goes to move up in the draft say if they don't believe in Mm Jalen then we pick a a quarterback well if they don't believe in Jalen I would think it's because he had a poor season and you know the rest of the roster around him isn't that great so they'd probably be picking pretty high to begin with what do you think BLG so if they're picking again you know, they have a top six pick and they, you know, maybe they're even worse and have the fourth or fifth pick. Um, I think it could be a situation where, you know, they're in prime position to get a get a quarterback next year, whether it's a guy falling to them at their selection or they, they use one of those other two first rounders to move up there. I, I don't think right now, I don't like the conversation where like, oh, it's, it's a bad quarterback class. We don't know that. Going you don't. Yeah, no one knows. Joe That's... Burrow wasn't the first overall pick two yeah. years ago. Zach Wilson exactly, was the yeah. second overall pick last year. We don't know that. You also don't know who's like going to be available necessarily, you know, for better or worse. Like in the veteran trade market, like who saw Stafford getting traded this offseason? Maybe before, it's, maybe Russell Wilson gets traded next year, or, or let's say the like, I know the Deshaun Watson thing is just like you can't even like yeah, you know, who knows my board. But I mean, the Eagles have been rumored to be interested in them, so like I'm not going to say you know yeah <laughs> it's yeah. impossible. So like that's in play. Um, there's guys out there who could become available that you don't think would be right now. I mean, Aaron Rodgers could become available. Like, you know, (laughs) I don't know. You just don't like, so, and that's part of why to Howie's credit and what he said this week about like flexibility creates opportunity. I mean, he's right. Like having the, having the assets 
for anything that could pop up that could be unexpected is part of a strategy. And I will give him credit for that. And I think that's some of the appeal to the trade down. But to answer your question, Jeremy, I'm I'm thinking something like water gun to my head. First initial impression is I think in like a six and 11 record is I think where they're going to be at. What about you? What do you think they're going next year? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm like, y'all, I'm, I'm trying to lower my expectations <laughs> on the season just because, I mean, not only just the drafts that we've had in the past, but also like our injury bug issues. Yep. And, and just what seems to be like a cultural problem within the organization now that's come to light. It's just really hard for me to, to narrow it down, but I'd probably agree with you on the six and eleven. Yeah, like we're not we're not doing good this this year. It's a disheartening about, time to be an Eagles fan. It is. What about you, Shane? What are you thinking record wise? Well, the, what's the the Vegas over under is, is six and six and a half. I think so. I feel like seven and ten, eight and mm-hmm. nine. So but just over. Like Hertz plays okay, and the division stinks, and then they and they, go the eight, schedule nine, is easy when, too. And and they have. I think by strength of schedule, the easiest schedule, which, I mean, I think the Cowboys are of the second easiest schedule, so mm-hmm. it isn't a huge difference in terms of the NFC East standings, I don't believe, other yeah. than you know, Washington has a tougher schedule, certainly. Um, it's going to be a situation where it's like last year, where they're kind of a middling team, but maybe they do make the playoffs, and then you're kind of like the no-man's land, right? Uh, Doug in the chat says, this is a bad team with a bad roster, and a brand new uh, coaches, they're going to be bad and in position to take a guy regardless in terms of quarterback. He has them 4-12-1, and another tie. Dear God, I do not want to see another tie anytime soon. They got rid um, of ties in the preseason, or not ties. Overtime, say, yeah. Overtime in the preseason, so there will be ties in the preseason now, which I prefer. Uh, th- There's that's, no reason for overtime in the preseason. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Uh, I wanted to read this from James Gregory, our good friend down in the chat, who says he doesn't see the downside of Devontae Smith. Receivers in the NFL are protected even more these days, and his physicality has not hindered him in the SEC. His ability to recognize coverage, glide through his routes, and a ferocious desire to win seems like a no-brainer to me. If he doesn't work out, parentheses, he will. Would anyone really be upset? I don't think so. Yeah, I think that is incredibly well said, James. Like that is how could you feel bad about taking Devontae Smith? I guess the scenario is like he comes into the NFL and he literally is just like Donnell Pumphrey and it's just like, oh, he's too small. But like I, I just don't see I just don't see that. I really don't see that happening. Yeah, he's not pump. Like God, pump was awful. Like That's pump Solax boy. <laughs> pump racked up stats in like what was that like Mountain West football, whatever, like whatever the uh, um, I don't even think it's Pac-12, whatever. No, um, it's, not, it's not. San Diego State. San Diego yeah. State. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like this is like a different level of football we're talking about. Also, like Donald Pumphrey, like, so it's kind of hard with uh, Devante because like we don't know exactly how he tested. I kind of would like to see those numbers. I'd feel a little bit better if I did. I just like to have all that info. But like Pumphrey didn't really test well at all. Like he ran a fast forty, I think, but like that was it. Like he had no like agility. What's like, his could... spider chart looking like? Yeah, I gotta look. I gotta look, look it up. up. It's not good. It's oh, like God. like he's fast, like in a straight line, no doubt. But like he has no like wiggle, and you need to have that as a running back, right? Like how often as a running back are you literally just running in a straight line down the field? Like that's not, it's not really happening. Ooh. Not yeah. looking good. Yeah, not, not looking, looking great. It's a, it's a uh, isosceles triangle. And I think. Um, like, he was short, too. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like, especially short and 
small. Okay, and so nine percentile height, one percentile weight, three percent yeah. arm, t- three percentile arm length, four percentile hand size, zero percentile bench press. Now seventy look up, percentile is forty yard dash. Now, like, let's look up Devante by comparison. I'm pretty sure, like, it's not that bad. These guys in here. Uh, yeah, De- Devante is a 35 percentile uh, height. He's only two percentile weight. So, and that's at 170. Um, Ooh, Bart but, Harvey Jarvis over here. But um, uh, he's 40 percentile hand size, 45 arm length, and then 66. Like I said earlier, wingspan. So he kind of yeah. actually has a long wingspan. He and he, you watch him play again. Like he plays bigger than his size. Like that's just that's just the case. Like. And it's not like he's taking advantage of, you know, like bad players in college. Like that's just so ridiculous to me. He's dominating. And I think something that uh, like I was thinking about more is like, so a lot of people talk about how, you know, Waddle had even bigger numbers than Smith. And certainly that's true. And I don't dislike Waddle as a prospect. I think if Smith is off the board, I think Waddle would be a reasonable pick at 12. But I kind of get a little concerned with the injury stuff, but I I think going back to like why this mattered at Alabama, like Waddle got hurt and Devontae was the clear number one in that offense and they couldn't stop him. You know what I mean? Like teams were like, that's only, that's like the biggest thing teams had to care about once Waddle gets hurt is like, how do we stop Devontae Smith? Like let's lock in on that. And they couldn't, they couldn't do it. It's like, and that was like, that should have been the primary objective. I feel Uh, the same way about Chase. Yeah. I would have just stayed at six. I get the optionality. Like the more we've gotten away from the trade, the initial anger of just like, what are they doing? Like we we, we sat through the season. We won the highest pick possible. We want to eliminate the margin for error when landing a you know a, hopefully an elite talent right away who can contribute both immediately and for the next you know several several years. But it still stings where you know most both of those guys could be gone. I mean, I think I think Smith is going to be there. Do you and your heart of hearts believe at twelve? Yes. Uh, I do. I really do. I do think he's going to be there. I think I'm they would Chase, take him. I like, think what, Chase would have been there at, at six. I mean, as, as yeah. the draft has gotten closer and closer, I feel as if, you know, the the need for QB has, has escalated. And, you know, all of those first five picks are going to end up, you know, mainly all being quarterback. And, and Penny Sewell is, is going to be there at Cincinnati. And I just don't mm-hmm. know. How they, if they drop the ball on on getting somebody to protect Joe Burrow, <laughs> I just don't understand why Chase wouldn't be there if we were still at six. It could be a situation if they stayed at six. Uh, they could have gotten Sewell too if they took Chase, right? True, true, true. And I like uh, Malata. I like we. I know we all like the story, but you know, you know it's a great way to uh, you know ignite the offense beyond just a wide receiver talent. Shoring up the the offensive tackle situation, especially going forward with Lane Johnson getting older and you know increasingly injury prone, Malad is still a bit of a wild card. Even though we saw some nice drives this year, you know. Uh, I want to get Bernard Cerullo up on the stage here. Bernard, that was pretty dang close, Brandon. All right, I tried. <laughs> I gave it a shot. Uh, Bernie for short. Hey, um, what's going on, so Bernie? With, with rumors uh, of wanting to trade back up. Is there, I mean, what do you guys see? Is there someone they're hoping maybe slips? Is there someone in mind you think they would really like to, or is that just getting ahead of the Cowboys and Giants? Seems like conjecture to me, but what do I know? And it's a situation like, why try? And I get there's like value in saying, like, oh, they got a first round pick extra for trading from six to 12. If they move up to eight and just part with like pick 70 and pick, 
you know, 199, that's great value. And I get that, but that's a situation why, you know, I'm just thinking minimize the error. Just take your guy at six. But yeah. for a guy who they trade back off for, I don't think they would trade up for one of the receivers in terms of Smith or Waddle. Maybe if it's Chase, I don't see Chase falling that far. Maybe if Sewell falls, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what to believe in. I don't have a read on how the organization feels about Kyle Pitts. I know, you know, I'm sure every team's enamored with him and thinks he's going to be awesome. Um, but I don't know if he's the exact trade up target. To me, um, I think that I don't think they're going to trade up. That's just my guess. Um, and if they did, I feel like it only makes sense to go as high as like nine, just like to get ahead of Dallas and the Giants. If there's a player you really want, um, and also if the cost isn't you know bad, like if it's not too. Like, so going by the draft pick value chart, it would take like a, a late third to move up from twelve to nine. Now again, that doesn't really necessarily mean that's the cost because. You know, the precedent, there's um, the, like, the market for that pick if other teams are trying to get up there. I just think nine could be available because my theory is like the Broncos could maybe want to get a quarterback. And then let's say the Panthers trade down from eight and like now the quarterbacks are gone. So now the Broncos are okay with trading down. But like I still think the Eagles really should be trading up in theory too, right? Because like, they're not like one player away. Like they need to build this thing. Totally. And if any, like they need to get more picks in theory. I don't love the idea of moving down because you already just did. It's just like, when does it stop? Like when, like, okay. Like, like that's my thing with trading down. People are like, Oh, you got to trade down to get more picks. But okay. But like at one point, do you actually like sit there and make the pick? I would like to stay at 12. I think like to stay there. If they do move up, I, like logically just in looking at the board, I feel like it would have to be a corner just because I hate uh, that. I, I would not do that to be clear. I do not think that's a good idea, but I think like if, if they're making the move up, you're getting ahead of Dallas in theory, and they're probably going to, unless you're trading up for an offensive lineman. It's either offensive lineman or corner, I guess, if you're trading up. because, Or if you think Dallas is going to trade down at a 10, which is possible, there's talk about the Cardinals want to trade up, and maybe they're trying to get Devontae Smith. So they would have Devontae and Hopkins, and that would be great. I would really love that. <laughs> like the should have been Eagles receivers team. Uh, they could be like the new... Uh, Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald, you know, those Cardinals receivers like we all want on the Eagles. So uh, what about you, Bernie? Like, what do you think they, they might be targeting or should be targeting? Well, that did no clue. I, I, that's why uh, I'm like you. I say sit at 12. I, I could see trading back in a sense of, right, maybe it is all QBs and maybe those O-linemen or something. If they felt like, wow, we, we could move back and still get, guy x or whatever we're looking for but um yeah i don't i don't see why you trade back up after you trade back and uh i just thought maybe there's someone in mind if this guy slips and i don't know if you guys had a feel on on one specific guy maybe falling to like you said eight or nine or something yeah i guess it would have to be like pits right or something like you know or chase it'd have to be something like that just totally like shocking Or, or sewell i guess I think Sewell could have been there at six. Do you know what I mean? That's that's like part of the, you know, that's that's the issue where we're trying to make sense of, of the move so far ahead of yeah. uh, the draft night, right? Yeah, for sure. Sewell it seems like a tough sell for me. Just, I mean, we don't know what we got in Dillard. I mean, I think we're all assuming at this point, not much, but, you know, Mylotta's interesting. Um, I mean, I guess, well, maybe more surefire, I guess, but I feel like, pretty comfortable especially on that left side is Sewell playing both or how how do we even feel about Sewell anyways I think he would start day one at left tackle just plug him in yeah 
And, you know, Malata is your swing guy because he's displayed yeah, he ability. Did, yeah. he, he's played both left tackle and right tackle. I'm not saying he's succeeded uh, super well at both positions, but is more so a better fit at, you know, the backup swing tackle position than Andre Dillard may be. Well, yeah, and Dillard, exactly. I think just spent – my lot has just got so green, right? It's like, well, we'll just coach him back up. He definitely has that coachability and, and has yep. some good some good times. You could easily just say, we're permanently moving you to right, and we're going to coach you up from there. I think, yeah, he could be successful there too. It's just Dillard obviously was uh, not on the field when he was at right tackle. <laughs> I would be okay kind of with offensive line in a trade down. Like I don't love it at 12, depending on the board shakes out, of course. If they trade back, and if they get a good offer to trade back, I I prefer obviously sticking at 12. I want Devontae Smith. But let's say he's off the board, and there's also a possibility both corners could be off the board by then. I don't, I'm going to guess one of them is still there, but it's not like impossible that they could both go. I, I wouldn't necessarily hate. Uh, a trade back, even if one of the corners is still on the board, potentially, where you're moving to, let's say, like 15, potentially, because the Patriots pick there. So you're only moving back a couple spots. You might pick up, I guess, like what, like their their third or their second? I don't know exactly what that would be. I guess like a third. So it costs like a third to go from uh, 12 to 9. But um, that's that's where I'm kind of okay with linemen in a trade back, but not really the most exciting scenario. It's the taking the like logical thing out of it for a second, like what the team should do, what is actually objectively good. I mean, an offensive lineman or defensive lineman in this year's first round pick, that just sucks. Like for the excitement level, like that's, that's just not fun at all. It's just not right. Yeah. What yeah, lineman would you be happen. thinking about taking if they trade back? Are you, is there a tackle that you like there? I know there's some tackles that are projected to go later in the first round. Are you, you're, are you in on Vera Tucker as a guard? Yeah. Or do you think he had played, played tackle? Yeah, I would be in on Vera Tucker as a as a um like a guy who might be able to do both. Like maybe like you think he can play tackle for you, and if not, they they try that left tackle this year, and if it doesn't really work, he replaces Brandon Brooks next year. Or something like that. He plays that left guard with with Ike kicking inside. Yeah, or yeah, maybe you just feel like he can play all four spots if you feel like you, I think you'd have to feel that you'd have to feel like he could play pretty much everything except center and be like be a really good. Maybe they option. love Christian Darrisaw. Oh God, <laughs> that is a big man, by the way. Have you seen him? No. Like I was he's gonna, gigantic. Well, like maybe it was just the picture, but I was I was doing a uh, I was posting the the write up for Christian Darrisaw in the the BGN community mock draft, and I was like, this guy's freaking huge! Like this guy's like a monster. I want to look up his spider graph, so I'm gonna do that. Uh, feel free to riff for me while I do that. Here. I'm on the spider graph now. I got you. He's- okay. He's yeah. only 15th percentile in height, but 73rd but the weight, percentile yeah. in weight, Big 61 man. percentile in wingspan, 58th percentile in arm length. Okay. Uh, he compares um, to some guys, Jamon Brown, or he compares 93.3% <laughs> to our boy, Jamon Brown. Off oh, the board God. he goes. Jamon Brown, the Eagles' best pass rusher last year. <laughs> Eagles legend, Jamon. He's... The the Browns, R- Ronnie Brown and Jamon Brown, those two guys are now linked in my head of the like the most like W two F plays in the last like fifteen years for the Eagles. Do you remember why Jamon Brown like got cut last year? What was the specific reason? I feel like see, I I asked because I feel like I forgot this, but like I was some, for some reason I went and looked back at some articles from last year, and he actually got like cut for contract 
conduct detrimental to the team. It was it was before the Green Bay game, I think, too. They were in Green Bay, and I don't know exactly what he did, but he did something like stupid. And yeah, he I played think, for the other team while on offense. That was the <laughs> thing he did. But that's just like it was so stupid. They even like that's what really frustrated me. Not the the only thing, but like there was a lot of frustration the last year, and like they couldn't even get the little things right. Like why were they keeping him on the team at all when like he clearly was trash? And like they literally could have brought in like any other. Just bring in like so they had a guy in camp last year. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was like a UDFA. Like bring him in because you suck. Like you're a horrible team. Like and Jermon Brown is terrible. Why not bring in a guy who is like cheaper and younger and like might in theory have more upside than this guy who like clearly sucks and then he gets cut anyway because like he's a bonehead. Like this team couldn't do the easy things right last year. Like keep Casey Tuchel on the team because your team sucks and you're bad. Bo Wolf freaking out about that. I but I, I agreed a thousand percent with it. It wasn't about Casey Tuchel yeah. as a player it was about the process it's about yes. the organizational philosophy yes 100 percent. and to that point talking about the draft like you see a lot of articles or tweets or whatever around this time of year i think i saw one from robert mays and i'm not trying to shade robert mays i think he does a lot of good work but like he said something recently about how the draft is a crapshoot and i'm like it is sure or, like, he was like, no one's good at drafting. And I'm like, there's some truth to that. But there are teams that are definitely, like, bad at drafting and, like, make bad decisions. And that was the case with some of these – a lot of these picks the Eagles have made, clearly, and the process in that building. Like, it's not like – it's not like they are like, picked a player who everything said about this player, oh, he was going to be good, and he just didn't work out. Like, that was the case. I feel like for as much as we're fans and we can be irrational, I think we can all look at that and be like, well, okay, like, they tried – uh, like if Justin Jefferson, if they took him and he just sucked, I would not be mad at the Eagles because it'd be like, well, everything said about this player, he was going to be good. And for some reason, I guess he just wasn't, um, it just didn't work out for him. But like, that's not the case here. Like they're, they're picking these players. Like even just going back to Jalen Rager last year, I was reading the, uh, the bleeding post that I wrote for like the Jalen Rager pick. And in that, uh, post was like a scouting report from like Gil Brandt that talked about like, here, let me find it. Let me find it for you. Cause I think it's like really like, yeah, like this, this wasn't like a surprise. Like this stuff was known. Gil <laughs> for whatever sharp. reason. Yeah. Um, I, I want to read it here. So I'm going to pull it up. I have to find it. Um, I'm on Elijah Vera Tucker's mock draftable page. Potential okay. Trade down target. If I could, I could read some of this off while you're getting that together. Sure. Height 61st percentile. This is just for offensive guards. There isn't an option for him to be amongst offensive tackles. You could do guard or offensive line overall. For guards, 61st percentile in height, 34th percentile in weight. And then test is test extremely well athletically, 91st percentile in vertical jump, 82nd percentile in 40-yard dash, 67th percentile in 10-yard split, 88th percentile in bench press. Big, strong, powerful man. Hmm. I found the Rager thing. So just to note, as a preface, Daniel Jeremiah and Gil Brandt both didn't even have Rager in their top 50 prospects. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> and here's the quote. I think it's actually from a scout, not, not Gil Brandt. But it's, uh, the quote is, his 2019 tape does raise some concerns, even when taking into account the abysmal quarterback play at TCU. Rager didn't seem committed to selling decoy routes, blocking, or squeezing every yard out of his opportunities after the catch. That last concern came up in analytics as his average uh, yards after the catch 
dropped considerably over the last three years, from 7.8 to 5.9 down to 3.8. And he only broke a total of five tackles in 2019. You can explain some of that away by arguing poor ball placement, but too many times Rager was in self-preservation mode and sought out the sidelines. Guess what we saw in Jalen Rager's rookie season last year? Basically all of those concerns. Like, this wasn't, like, something new. This isn't like, oh, Rager only looked bad because Carson Wentz was bad last year. Like, no, these concerns were there, and they translated to the NFL. It's, like, not a surprise. One play from him that sticks out in my mind, and I'm not – I don't want to completely the Saints crap game. on his rookie season. The Saints game. He had, he battled through some injuries. Wentz obviously wasn't great. Hurts flashed a little bit and was, was tough a little some other parts. That Saints game where they have him open in the middle of the field and on the TV screen, there's literally no one on the screen other than him. He looked like he was running in slow motion. And I, that's, that's the first thing I think of him whenever I you know, think of him as a player now is, is that play against the Saints where if he was this you know, rocked-up Steve Smith-like you know, athletic person that we th- – not that he's not athletic, but you get what I'm saying, this, this uber-athlete we thought he could be, it's just disheartening. I'm also pretty sure he ran out of the out of bounds on that play. Right? Like at I think the end, so. At the end of the run, like he just runs out of bounds. And that like, okay, I you know, there's a I think there's a fine line there. You know, there's being smart and not taking dumb hits. But yeah, also, I, I don't, like, I'm not gonna kill him for running out of bounds. It just seemed like you know, and a, a different receiver of he, he does it a lot of, of the pedigree, it should have been, you know, a forty five yard gain or something like that, or a touchdown. He he does that quite a bit. Cause I remember I remember Michael Kist even saying that last year when Kist was you know back with BGN and doing his before draft he stuff sold out for the before he sold out and became a big shot. Um, he, I remember him saying that like before the Eagles even drafted Jalen Rager, he was like, I don't know, man. Like I see Rager like run out of bounds a lot, and it, like like again, I think some of the, doing that some of the time makes sense. But like if it becomes like a feature and not a bug, like it becomes like like a lot of people like you know this is becoming like a, a trend, a theme, apparent then, like, it's happening too much, and I think it is with him. And all of that is to say, like, I wasn't trying to – I wasn't even trying to be down on Dylan Rager. I was just talking about, like, the flaws with the Eagles draft process in general. Um, and, you know, going back to the Devontae Smith of it all, like, like, draft a player who you're really excited about, who has, like, good traits, and also you're not trying to explain away, like, his flaws. I think that's important because, you know, the Rager thing was like, oh, well, he had a bad quarterback, so he'll actually be good. And – he ran a 4.5 at the combine, but then he ran a 4.2 at the pro day. So he's actually fat. Like, stop, like, like you know, making these excuses. Like, just pick a player who produces, <laughs> like, like Devontae Smith does. You don't have to make excuses for him. I want a good wide receiver. Yes. I want a good wide receiver, man. I feel like an idiot. Like, like I, I'm boiling things down to the simplest of terms, and it's, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm gaslighting myself in a way. <laughs> It would be nice. They've, I've said it, but they've literally never drafted and developed their wide receiver under Howie Rosen. It's they have not done it. What's it's, the best wide receiver happened. season since two thousand and four? Deshaun two thousand eight. Given like the entire contributions, both special teams and and wide receiver. Uh, maybe Deshaun two thousand. It's either Deshaun two thousand eight or two thousand thirteen. Right? Yeah, I would I would argue Deshaun two thousand thirteen. He was so good that year. He was so good. Like almost underrated, maybe in hindsight. Like he was. I like, agree. He's, he's I think shady. he's actually underrated amongst Eagles fans, given the the messiness of the first departure sure. and the completely underwhelming and disappointing and kind of train wrecky second tenure here. The uh, you know Shady got all the love for that season because he was the NFL's leading rusher and rightfully so. But also like 
guess who like probably was facing like some of the latest boxes in the league <laughs> because exactly there was a deep threat you know uh, best deep threat of all time yeah is Elijah Moore a poor man's Devonte Smith this is coming from Jeremy uh, in the chat do I you have a take on that, that? Tom. okay again if, they go, if, again if they go corner or non wide receiver at twelve um and on him at thirty seven for sure and even be interested in a little trade up for him okay. The problem, again, going back to – this is almost where I was at with it last year. Like, there was some talk last year, like, oh, the Eagles don't need necessarily need to go receiver in the first round because it's such a deep draft. And I'm kind of hearing that again this year. But, like, the problem with that is, though, like, if you don't take a receiver at, with your first-round pick, it's so obvious – and I think you kind of talked about this earlier, uh, Sheen. Like, it's so obvious that you're going to take one with your second-round pick, right? And then if that's obvious to all of us, like all the other teams know that too, and they're going to be like, there's probably going to be a run on receivers before your pick or another team is going to trade up to make sure they like, they get that guy. And that's happened to the Eagles before. That happened with uh, Miko Hardman, right? Like yeah. that's who they wanted. And they ended up with J.J. Arthigo-Whiteside because they got scooped. The Chiefs traded up right before they picked. Now that's not to say the Eagles necessarily had to take a receiver in what, what was that, like 2019? But I'm just saying, like, when you forecast your needs like that, like, there can be a consequence that comes out of that. So we've been going for over an hour. Um, if ever, anyone I'll put out the uh, the one last request, if anyone has anything to say or uh, for, forever hold your peace. Jeremy Stewart uh, said Macklin. Yeah, Macklin was really good in 2014, but I don't think he had this this juice or R around him. Um, yeah. Him, like, he, was, he was a very good Eagle. Had some good seasons. 2010 was good, and he you know had maybe the best season of his career in 2014. But I don't think it was this uh, transformative presence on the team the way Deshaun felt those two years, and certainly not the way To yes. felt in 2004. But I do like Macklin. It wasn't it wasn't a specific shade to him or anything. Yeah, yeah, big big Jeremy Macklin fan. Um, I think he should be an Eagles Hall of Famer. I think that's a question for a different. Okay, day. yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pro Macklin. Good guy from from everything I know about him. You know, I don't. Know I, him I did an but. entire profile on him and uh, the work he does with the adoption community when I was interning at the Daily News back in the day in college. Very nice guy to talk to. Yeah, uh, I remember like he, man, I, I forget exactly what happened with this. I think he like followed me at one point. Um, someone was like crapping on him, and I kind of like defended you caped. him. You caped. <laughs> well, it, it was like they tag. It was a tag thing. You know, snitch tagging I, is the worst thing in the world. But it was like it wasn't even snitch tagging. But oh, it was like, like hate like, tagging is yeah, hate tagging. Sorry. And I was tagged in there, and I'm like, well, first of all, why am I even included in this? And like, I defended him, um, and he saw the reply. I think he like followed me for a little bit, or like any DM me or something. And it was cool. It was just like a cool little nice little thing. Nice guy from all by all accounts. Um, that was this episode of our locker room chat, I guess. Shane, maybe we'll do another one before the draft. I don't know. We'll see. I'd like to do one next week. I'm, okay. I'm going to have a mini from the bleachers come out on Wednesday, just kind of like, you know, draft excitement. What are you going to do for the draft? You know, kind of your preparation thing. But I'm definitely down to do something. Going to be maybe something during the day on okay. Tuesday or Wednesday, I think, is something that would work for me. But we'll, be, we'll schedule that out yeah. behind the scenes. All right, Jeremy in the chat wants one. We'll try to figure that out. This week's going to be crazy. So I, just, I don't even know, you know, my schedule. We don't even do. know our, you know, our schedule yeah, for Thursday it's, or it's, Friday. Yeah, it's, it's going to be out. Yeah, so we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, you can follow along by following me on the Locker Room app. Give Seamus follow too on this app. If you're listening on the replay, download the Locker Room app and you can search. There's like a search feature. You can search uh, my name, Brandon Gowton, and hit hit me with a follow in there. That way, when we whenever we go live. 
uh, you get a notification on your phone. So, you know, this is a good way not to miss it. Also, bleedingyournation.com, you know, we always have the post on there kind of telling people when the locker room is going to be beforehand. Um, I also try to put it up right on the site, uh, actually, when it is live. So you can just click the link on there and join as well. Uh, BGN Radio, obviously brought to you by Right to Selling. Craft Jerky, go to rightstosellin.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Snacks. Just added review, actually, recently. And this is real. Um, from someone who bought some Right to Selling Craft Jerky. His name is AJ. He actually left a review on Right to Selling Craft Jerky that said, hands down the best jerky I've ever had. I never even liked beef jerky until I tried Right to Selling's Savory Bundle Pack. Thanks to BLD and the Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed for turning me on to this perfect snack. So did not pay that person. Don't even know who that person is, but they genuinely liked it. So if you want some, you can get it at rightdesalon.com. Discount code BGN15. You can also, if you have dogs, if you have a pet. Um, Seamus, did you get this yet? Did my you- parents' dog, my like uh, high school era dog, Bruce, uh, loved the sweet potato mix treats. Okay. That's awesome. The so, dog's uh, allergic to chicken and beef, so I like that they had yes, a bunch of different right. options. So it was a salmon and sweet potato mix, I believe. So it was perfect. They have a wide variety of options depending on your dog's health situation. Yeah, they're like – it's high quality. It's like high quality, yes, uh, good pet snacks. And that's that wildnaturepet.com. Same discount code, BGN15 for 15% off, wildnaturepet.com. So, all right. Uh, we'll be back in the near future with you. In the meantime, uh, thanks again, Shane, and everyone else for, for joining. Always a good time, fun time. Let's hope the Eagles draft Devontae Smith, and we'll talk to you soon.